0: All right, Galatians 5, 7 to 16. This is called Running Well. All right. And let's read it first. And we'll talk about it. Starting in verse 7, Paul says, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you a little leaven leavens the whole lump i have confidence in the lord that you will take no other view than mine and the one who is troubling you will hear the penalty whoever he is but if i brothers still preach circumcision why am i still being persecuted is that case the offense of in that case the offense of the cross has been removed I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you who were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Cool. This is Paul's exhortation to the churches of Galatia after he's kind of been correcting them a little bit. And he's saying, like, you were running so well. And what happened? Like, what derailed you? Um, Can you imagine, like, you're running like you're going for a jog, you're going for a run and you're you're running well, right? You're breathing well, your muscles feel good, like you've got a clear head, you've got a vision of where you're gonna go. You're feeling pumped on life, right? And then that adrenaline like starts kicking in and you're feeling pretty good about your your exercise and your you're doing good things, burning all these calories. And that's kind of what the Galatians were doing. They were running well. And Paul says, You were running well. And what derailed you? What pulled you away? Like, could you imagine if you're running like that and you're having this awesome time? And all of a sudden, somebody comes up alongside you and joins you in your running. And they start like heaving weights upon you, like a weighted vest, right? Or like some ankle weights or like they tell you to hold some dumbbells, all of a sudden like this running that was going so well is really weighed down and heavy. And it's starting to slow you down and your breathing is getting labored and you're sweating more and you're starting to lose hope. Like I don't think I can finish this Race because of this weight that's been added to me, right? This is kind of what was going on with this church or the churches of Galatia. They were running well and something derailed them or got them off track. And he asked, what derailed you? And he points this out. Something came in to your minds and into your hearts that got you to stop obeying the truth whoever this person was that was speaking about this his persuasion caused you to look either to the left or to the right in such a way that it derailed you from the way that you were running well and the cause of this derailment was that you were persuaded to stop obeying the truth. So we're going to talk about permeation for a second. Permeation. Uh, Paul says this, and this is stated in the Gospels as well. Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So a leavening agent is some kind of thing that you add to food, and it causes the food to ferment or whatever, And sometimes it can be yeast, or sometimes it can be bacterial cultures, or it's, you know, you put it in, like, yogurt and stuff, right? Leaven. Um, And if you're thinking about, like, leaven that you put in bread, leaven, like, spreads throughout the bread, and it makes these little gas pockets, and it makes those holes in the bread. You know, it makes the bread rise, makes it bigger. Um, And Paul says a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. So if you put leaven in half a loaf of bread, you know, it's not just going to stay in half a loaf of bread. The whole bro- the whole bread is going to rise. It says if if you're a church in a community that's founded on the truth of Jesus and a little bit of leaven jumps into that community in some way, that will cause the whole loaf of the church to rise or to leaven or to become leavened. It will permeate the whole entire church, and it will rub off on people, and it will cause people, like in this case, to stop obeying the truth. That leaven. And here's some more leaven that's kind of going around. Leaven can go around the church in the form of gossip, and there's an example right here in the text. Like, there's rumors about Paul, right? Paul is like an apostle called by Christ Jesus. He's out going throughout the Mediterranean area. He's sharing the gospel, right? He is anointed with the Holy Spirit. And, like, he's suffering for Christ in all that he's doing. And <clears throat> there's the leaven of gossip going around the churches of this area. And what they're saying is, hey, listen, we can preach circumcision because Paul preaches circumcision. Now, this is a falsehood or a lie or some kind of gossip about Paul, that he is preaching circumcision, when in actuality, he's not. He goes, that would be dumb if I was preaching circumcision like I used to back in the day before I met Jesus when I was a good Jew and I kept all the law. I used to preach circumcision, but once I met Christ and I found out that there was nothing that we could do to add to our own righteousness, I stopped preaching circumcision. So any of these rumors that are spreading around like wildfire that are saying that I preach circumcision, that would be dumb. Because if I preached that, then anything that I preach about the cross of Jesus would lose its power. And the cross wouldn't be an offense anymore. And the reason the cross is an offense is because when you tell people that they can't earn their salvation, that's offensive, right? There's nothing that I can do for myself. That's offensive. And he's saying, if I was preaching circumcision, that would be the opposite of preaching the cross. And I only preach the cross. So... Don't listen to those rumors. The leaven of the rumors. Um, And this whole thing going on in the church, this leaven, this is a persuasion not from Jesus. I mean, people can persuade you away from Jesus and not toward Jesus. Away from the cross and not toward the cross. Right? And this is the leaven. This is the lie. This is the stop obeying the truth. If somebody's preaching Jesus, they're preaching the cross and they're preaching not works, but his works and his salvation. Um so all this stuff, so in other words, like there there is a persuasion that leads away from Jesus. And Paul's saying, "Hey, none of that. I don't want something that goes to the right or to the left." I want something that's tried and true and stayed on Jesus. Make sense? And then he says this, this is kinda crazy. He goes, those people that are being the leaven, that are lying, that are spreading gossip, that are looking to the left and the right, the people that are persuading you away from obeying the truth, and he goes, man, those people, I wish they would emasculate themselves. I don't wanna go into detail, but it's like, They're preaching circumcision, right? And we know what that is. And he goes, I wish they would go the whole way. Does that make sense? And it sounds like like a harsh judgment, but it's kind of reminiscent of Jesus' words in the Gospels. And he's talking about children. He says, if anybody causes one of these little children to stumble... It would be better that a millstone were tied around his neck and, you know, like he would have dropped into the ocean with that millstone around his neck. So this speaks, it sounds intense, but it speaks of the divine judgment. And he, he goes, like, if somebody's being leavened in your midst, no matter how good and, like, persuasive they sound, if they're being leavened and they're not pointed to Jesus, if they're leading away from Jesus, divine judgment is like headed toward them. And that's not good. And he goes, instead of all this, this leaven like permeating into the culture of the churches, instead, you Galatians are called to freedom. You are called to live free. So like he said um, in our last message, like don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Don't go there again. You are called to freedom, so why would you go back? And here's what I want to say about freedom. Freedom is not for furthering the flesh. Does that make sense? Freedom is not for furthering the flesh. Like when some people hear freedom, they think, oh, do whatever you want. I'm free. Freedom means I get to choose what I do, when I do it, and I live according to my desires. But actually, that's a form of slavery. Make sense? Because you're like enslaved to your own desires. So freedom is not for furthering the flesh, but by contrast, Freedom is for furthering love and servanthood. If you're living out this freedom, he says at the beginning of chapter 5, it's for freedom that you've been set free. If you're living out this freedom that Paul is talking about, and you're not living in that leaven, you're not being permeated by leaven and lies and gossip and tearing each other down. If you're not living in that, and you're living in the true freedom, then freedom is for furthering love and servanthood. Freedom is for becoming self-sacrificial Like, freedom isn't saying, I'm free not to sacrifice. Freedom is saying, I'm free to sacrifice. Because sacrifice feels like giving part of yourself away. Sacrifice feels like disadvantaging yourself. Sacrifice doesn't always feel good. And if we start to think that way, we've been... Almost like permeated by the leaven. If we start to see sacrifice as a bad thing, we might be listening to the leaven, if that makes sense. So, freedom is for becoming self sacrificial, where I lay down myself and my life and my rights to be Jesus people does that make sense flesh if we're operating in the leaven if we're operating in the flesh if we're if we're listening to those voices that say that there's something in addition to Jesus that you need like circumcision or eating a particular way or whatever the case is those things occur in the flesh. And here's what flesh is like. Here's how you can like identify the flesh. Flesh is characterized by weight, like heaviness. Like that weight that that person running beside you is trying to heap onto your shoulders, or onto your ankles, or into your hands. If somebody is trying to heap flesh onto you, they're they're making things in life feel heavy. Does that make sense? There's like a weight to it. Everything is serious. Everything is depressing. Everything is like tearing you down, right? There's a weight to it, right? People talk about how like depression feels heavy. Depression feels like this whole that you could never climb out of. It feels weighty. Flesh is also characterized by guilt, right? You're guilty and you have to make up for it. You're guilty and here's everything wrong with you and here's a shovel, start digging yourself out of this hole, right? And flesh is characterized by a burden that I will never overcome. So if we look at life and we see heaviness or we see guilt or we see darkness or we see a burden that we will never overcome, if we see that, somebody might be heaping leaven on us or somebody might be convincing us that the flesh is the way to do this life. Or we might have the tendency in our life to operate according to the flesh because Walking with the Spirit is something that we have to learn in our lives. Like, it doesn't come naturally. Right? It doesn't happen automatically. It's a learned thing. However, if life looks like heavy, weighty, if you're feeling guilty, and if you're feeling like there's this burden that you'll never be able to overcome, you got to ask yourself, like, Is there flesh in this? Do I see life in the flesh? Do I have I listened to somebody that said that operating in the flesh is the way to go? And it's okay if that's the place where we are. That's totally okay. Because there's there's another way. There's a better way. And this is what Paul is describing and encouraging the Galatians to do. Now that he's kind of identified all this stuff going on, he's saying, listen, walk in the Spirit, because the Spirit is life-giving. Because the Spirit makes you feel lighter, not heavier. Because the Spirit is the one that when you are running that race, And when you feel like you've got nothing left to give, the Spirit comes and breathes life into you. When you feel like you're out of your own breath, the Spirit gives you His breath. The Spirit is like wind coming up under your wings. The Spirit lifts. The Spirit elevates. The Spirit makes the burdens feel lighter. The Spirit does what the flesh cannot do. It's like a breath of fresh air. The Spirit gives life and does not make life seem heavier or worse or burdensome. So that's the alternative walk in the Spirit. And it's kind of like looking at two roads like this. If we're looking at life in the flesh, we say, we say, these are these two roads, and this is how I deal with this crisis or dilemma. I can A, try harder, and I don't think I'm supposed to like try harder or strive as a Christian, so that doesn't sound right. So option A, I don't know about that one, or there's option B, Option B says, don't try at all. And you're like, well, maybe I just shouldn't try at all because I don't want to strive and I don't earn God's favor and salvation by my works. So how about about option B, I don't try. I stop trying. And if you remain in the flesh and you take the path of not trying... And you're still seeing life with the eyes of the flesh, then that burden in that weight, in that guilt, in that hole that you feel like you'll never dig yourself out of will just close in. And it will continue to seem to get worse. So when people look at life and they go, oh man, so what do I do? What do I try? Do I try harder? Do I do more? Do I make people happier? Or do I just not try? Because I'm not here to be a people pleaser, right? And this is where people get stuck. Stuck in the flesh. I don't know which path to choose. And it's almost kind of like it's this brand new eye-opening experience when we see the the Spirit of God for all it's worth. When we see that the Spirit of God is not path A or path B, it's not try harder and it's not don't try. When we see life through the Spirit, we realize that there is a third option. There is a third road. There is an option C. That we didn't calculate for. And it's not try harder, and it's not don't try. It's neither. It's walk according to the Spirit. And it's almost kind of like an invitation like God's at the end of Road C, and He's beckoning you forward. He's saying, listen, this is what you were made for. Come here. You're invited. Nobody's going to force you. Nobody's going to make you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. Come here. Road C. This is what you were designed to do. This is what you were made for. It's an invitation. It's not by force. The flesh operates by force. The spirit is not by force. It's an invitation, and it's also an elicitation. And when I say elicitation, here's what I mean. Like, when we accept Christ, God puts His Spirit in us, right? And it is a piece of God in our hearts, and it's guiding us through life, and it's giving us the fruits of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit, and it's It's leading us toward home. You know, like a compass, like a true north. It's leading us toward home with God forever. And God at the end of road C, the road of the Spirit, God at the end of this road is like inviting us and beckoning us forward. Saying you don't have to try harder and you don't have to not try. Just come, come down the road of the Spirit and let that peace of God, the Holy Spirit inside of you, let that come bursting out of your pores. Let that life of self-sacrificial love and servanthood, let that come bubbling out and stop listening to the leaven. Stop listening to the people. Stop listening to the people that would put weights in your hands and weigh you down. Because that is the leaven that leavens the whole lump. And that leaven will continue to just permeate. And he's saying, don't be permeated by the leaven. Don't let the leaven come into your pores, where it saturates you. Don't live in this world of not obeying the truth. What Paul is saying is instead, you were designed to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And when you accept Jesus as your Savior, God puts the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that Holy Spirit, if you respond to, the, to God's invitation at the end of the road of the Spirit, if you respond to it positively, and you walk that path, what happens is this excitement, and this joy, and this fruit, in these gifts, in this life, come bubbling up out of you in a way that you wouldn't have thought possible in your own power, and it's not possible in your own power. You can't make spirit happen by the flesh. You can't force it. It reminds me of like when when my dog Leon was younger, and he was, he was like a, a Jack Russell, and they're all... Pumped on life all the time, barking and jumping and running and just doing all this stuff. He would like r- just rip around the house for like half an hour, just running nonstop. And I'm like, where do you get this energy? In? You know. And I remember like when you would ask Leon, Leon, you want to go for a walk? He would start jumping. He would jump like six feet in the air. He would bounce. He would run into the laundry room where we kept his leashes. He would run in there, look at the leash, run back, look at us, run back, look at the leash, run back, look at us. He was so pumped on life when we said, hey, you want to go for a walk? And it's almost kind of like God is saying to us, like, hey, you want to go for a walk? They're like, what are we going to do? Are we going to be like my dog? Are we going to be like Lan? Are we going to be so pumped when he says, you want to go for a walk? Are we going to be like, yeah? Yeah, where's the leash? Come on, let's go. And, and it's almost kind of like leaving that old life behind. Paul talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new. You're this new creation, you're walking forward, you're walking down the road of the Spirit. Not A or B, but C. And life comes pumping up out of you because life is the Holy Spirit inside of you. In this Spirit, we know it's life because it raised Christ from death to life. And that same Spirit that raised Christ from death to life is now in us. And that should just make us pumped. That should just make us excited. That doesn't make us feel burdened and heavy and weighed down and depressed, and I'll never do this, and I'll never overcome, and I'll never make it, and people will never like me, and ah. In fact, the opposite. We can do this, or better yet, The Spirit of God can do this in us. So question. You want to go for a walk? Like, do you want to walk with God? Do you want to walk with the Holy Spirit? And when you do, it gives you like a buoyancy. Do you know what I mean? Can you think of like a buoy out on the ocean? How it's like buoyant? The waves come crashing into it and it might go down a little bit, but it pops back up. Because it has a buoyancy. Or like a ship on the ocean that's not being capsized by the waves. It has a buoyancy. It has a bounciness. Like the waves try to suck it down, pull it under. And it just keeps popping back up. A buoyancy, like the Spirit of God inside of us gives us a buoyancy. It makes us keep popping back up. The Spirit of God inside of us doesn't make life easier. Life will still be hard and a challenge and a struggle. The Spirit of God doesn't make life easier. It makes you buoyant to the things in life that would pull you down and Paul starts closing out this little section right here and he says listen don't devour one another in other words don't eat one another because apparently in this church the way that some people were treating each other was almost like they were eating each other. And the image that that recalls to my mind is when hell is described in the Bible, it's described as there being weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right? And that sounds like people devouring one another. And it almost sounds like the way it's being described here. Like a little taste of hell is happening inside the church. People eating one another. Don't devour one another, he says. Because when you devour one another, everybody just winds up eaten. Torn apart. Destroyed. And eaten, torn apart, and destroyed is not the work of the Spirit of God. It's the work of the devil. Sounds more like the devil's work. So he says, don't devour one another. Don't tear one another apart. It's easy to... It's easy to take advantage of people. It's easy to gossip about people. It's easy to stop obeying what you know is right. It's easy to loosen up life a little bit. It's easy to turn your back on people. It's easy to not forgive. But the path of ease leads to destruction. So he says, don't devour one another. Because devouring one another makes us think of like tearing apart. And he says, the Spirit of God doesn't tear apart. The Spirit of God connects. The Spirit of God brings shalom. And the Jewish understanding of shalom is Kind of like peace, but more intense. This whole thing, life, the earth, God's creation, like everything, when heaven is happening, everything is shalom. The lion lays with the lamb. There's no more conflict between people. God is in unhindered relationship with the men and women that he created that's what heaven's like and that's what shalom is and that sounds like love and servanthood and connectedness and humility and togetherness and self-sacrifice and all of these things the spirit of God brings shalom and connectedness Spirit of God heals broken relationships. The Spirit of God puts broken things back together and reconnects them. The Spirit of God leads to the opposite of devouring one another, tearing each other down, tearing each other apart. The Spirit of God removes deceit and slander and gossip and immorality. The Spirit of God removes these things and turns it into speaking lovingly to one another, building one another up, being there for each other, even when it's a burden on me, doing these things. The Spirit of God brings shalom and connectedness. So, This starts a new section, this verse 16. But I wanted to include it in here because it's kind of like that that turning point. And so we'll talk more about it, like, next week. But we we just have to hit on it. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's like Paul is saying, like, inviting, like, eliciting, like... Focusing. stop running amok in a million directions listening to lies looking to the left and the right devouring one another stop doing all this stuff guys he says you want to go for a walk and not only walk but run And run well. He says, You were running well. What happened? What was all this mess and this chaos? You were running well. So here's an invitation to walk and, better yet, run. Run with the Spirit. Run with the Spirit of God. And don't look to the left or the right. Don't look to path A or B. Stop it, just whoom, laser focus. Walk it. And if you're, if you're feeling up to it, run it. And run well. Don't just live this life saying, well, Christ's blood covers me, I can do whatever I want. Well, true, but run well. And don't just bank on grace. Like God said, or Paul says, and he goes, Paul says this in Romans. If we sin more, God's grace covers us more. And we can't sin in a bigger way than God's grace. So the more we sin, the more God gives grace and the more he's glorified and people are sitting here thinking like, well then I can just go on sinning, right? And he goes, no, by no means, don't go on sinning. Because if you're living by the spirit of God, that desire for sin, the glorification of sin, the happiness and rejoicing over sin, the little rise in happiness that you get about tearing somebody else down, that's, by the Spirit of God, that's removed when you walk with the Spirit. That's gone. And could you imagine a church in a bunch of churches in an area like the churches of Galatia? Could you imagine a bunch of communities walking with the Spirit And maybe not just walking with the Spirit, but running with the Spirit. Not gratifying the desires of the flesh. Not saying, well, we can get away with this. But actually doing this thing right. The way it was designed to be done. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we lift you up and we glorify you. And we thank you for giving us your spirit. We thank you for that invitation to walk with you. Thank you that you put your spirit inside of us, God, and we, we don't want to take that for granted. God, we want to live that out. We want to run well. In Jesus' name, amen.